Welcome to the SG Engage podcast, where it's all social good all the time. Sit back and relax as the brightest minds from across the social good community engage with trends, big ideas, and best practices to help you drive impact. Today's episode features a session from BBCon 2020 Virtual about the steps for giving effective feedback, presented by Monica Mutter, Director of Leadership and Culture at Blackbaud. You'll learn why Monica says feedback is a gift and how to give feedback in a way that helps the other person be better in the next situation. Enjoy the episode. My name is Monica Mutter. I am the Director of Leadership and Culture at Blackbaud. And what does that mean? That means every day, all day, I get to work with leaders and teams and help them be more high performing and cohesive and functional. It's truly a dream job. It's my passion and I get to do it every day. So I count myself as very lucky. If you've ever been to one of my sessions, you probably heard me say feedback is a gift. Feedback is a gift on so many levels. Whether you are a leader providing feedback to someone who reports to you, whether you are a peer giving a colleague feedback, or whether you're giving feedback to somebody you report to, it's truly a gift. It helps us be better in the next moment. But with all gifts, there are costs. Feedback costs different things to different, you know, different types of people, right? So if my personality style is one that is a certain way, I may be predisposed to sharing the unvarnished truth with others. If I have a different type of personality style, providing feedback could be uncomfortable at best ulcer-inducing at worst. And so there's a cost to feedback. And because there's a cost, we want to make sure when we deliver it, we're delivering it in a way that that feedback will be received and not regifted. So whenever we give a gift, whatever type of gift, we have to do a selection process. Think about the last time that you gave a gift. You selected a gift based on that person you were giving it to. There's probably a tick list of items that you went through. You know, what what style does the person prefer? And, you know, what is their size? And is this something they want and or need? You considered all of those things because you cared deeply. You wanted the person to receive your gift. The same is true with feedback. Because there is a cost to giving feedback, as we mentioned earlier, We want to make sure that the gift is received, and that requires us to be every bit as intentional as when, you know, when we give feedback to when we're selecting a gift. So we'll get nerdy for a minute. When we select the gift of feedback, it's important for us to consider the neuroscience behind it. Neuroscience is the study of the brain. And when we think about neuroscience and feedback, there's one aspect that really ties in. And that is the way that the brain receives messages. Every time you provide the gift of feedback to someone, you're giving a message to someone's brain. And when that message is received, there's one of two ways it will be received. It may be a message that we are very open to. We move toward the message. In fact, we're attracted to it. When we deliver that type of message, our brain is in a very open state it's wide open. We can receive that information. Um, It's often called our wizard brain. It is a brain state where we are very responsive, 
versus reactive. We can do deep thinking when we receive one of those attracting messages, one of those rewarding messages. So some of the the feedback that we give definitely triggers this type of response from the brain. However, some of the feedback that we give may be a little shocking. It may trigger a threat response from the person who's receiving it. And unfortunately, when a threat response is triggered, the ability to cognate, to think deeply, is significantly reduced. When that threat response occurs, we move into reaction mode. We also get very protective. Our brain closes down. It's not open to receive messages anymore. It's in protection mode. Now, this was really helpful when our Cape people ancestors were trying to survive past 25. You know, it was really helpful to have that protection mechanism. But today, it gets in the way of us receiving feedback because unfortunately, our brains are more predisposed to receive messages as threats as opposed to something we're attracted to. And that gets in the way of our feedback. So when we deliver feedback, it's important to be cognizant of this. Not because we never want to deliver or have to deliver a threatening message. We will. There are times when, regardless of how well we deliver the message, at some point in that conversation, the person who's receiving it will go into threat state. What's important for you to know about this and what you should walk away with is what's most important is where we leave the person at the end of our conversation. Are they open? Are they attracted to the message? Are they able to use their wizard brain? Or have we left them in threat state where they're closed, they're in the lizard brain, if you will. That's what's most important. Where do we leave them? And the model that I'm about to share with you will give you a much better opportunity to leave that person in an open state, in a wizard brain state, so they can receive your message. So let's take a look at the model. We're gonna be giving the gift now. Step one of the model is a really important one, particularly now in these days. Check to see if the timing is right. When you are delivering feedback, you have to consider the other person, just like you would, remember we talked about selecting the gift. You have to check to see if the timing's right. If they're having a day, they're not gonna be able to receive the message as well. Remember, when our stress levels increase, our ability to cognate decreases. So it's really important for us to make sure the timing is right. Now, if the feedback is something that is time-bound and cannot wait, if there's something egregious happening and you have to deliver feedback in that moment, throw this step out. But if it can wait, And if the timing's not right, do wait. Now, how do I check to see if the timing is right? I just check in with them. Hey, do you have a few moments to chat? Based on the response that I get from them, body language, because whenever I'm delivering feedback, I certainly want to, you know, I want to be able to see them. Um, Body language, tone, their responses really clue me in as to whether or not now is the right time. So step one, check in to see if timing's right. Step two, provide specific time and place. When I'm delivering feedback, I want to get very specific about a particular time and place. If I don't do that, I run the risk of creating cognitive dissonance. 
you know, the person, if I say, you know, over the past few months, people start to spin and churn on that. It's much better to narrow down your feedback and get really specific. Yesterday at our team meeting, now, boom, I'm right with you in time and place. I know exactly what you're talking about. So that's step two, provide specific time and place. Step three is to provide the specific observable behavior. This is one that trips up many of my leaders as we go through training sessions. Specific observable behavior is something that you saw. It is not a judgment. It is not a psychic impression. It is something that you observed. Here's the difference. Let's say yesterday at our team meeting, you were really unprepared. That's a judgment. That's not a specific observable behavior. This is what a specific observable behavior looks like. Yesterday at our team meeting, the data you shared in your presentation was inaccurate. You see, I'm, I'm just sharing an observation. It's, we can't quibble, the data was inaccurate. It's not a judgment, it's what was, right? That's what you want to do. It's gotta be specific and observable, not a judgment. Step four is share the impact of the behavior. The impact, how did it land? And it's really important with this step to ensure that it is actual impact, not possible. Actual impact is how it impacted you or the team or the client or the donor. How did it impact? In this case, several of the attendees commented on the inaccuracies and it made you look less credible. That is a true impact. People commented, made you look less credible. It's not, wow, you may have really hurt your brand with this. That that's a possible. And whenever you throw in those possibilities, you reduce the chances that your message will be received. Remember, that lizard brain is working really hard to find reasons not to receive feedback. They are trying to push off threat. And that's why it's important to speak in specific observable behaviors and actual impact. So step four, share the impact of the behavior. Step five, Ask for her or his take on the situation. This is key. Feedback in its purest form is dialogic. It's back and forth. It completes a loop. It is never one way. This is a really important step for many reasons. First of all, adults don't argue with their own data. You may find when you ask that question of the person you're giving feedback to, they come back and say, yeah, I know, I saw, I did this, I, I grabbed data from the wrong spot. They probably already know, not always, but probably already know. And if they say it, it must be true. So for this part, I always ask them, you know, how do you see it? Or what was your view of that meeting? It's really important to hear what's on their mind. And it's, you know, there, there are times when I have observed behavior and someone has shared, you know, or given me additional data by answering this question. And we had a much different discussion than the one originally in my head. So it's really important to get that other person to weigh into the situation. 
Step six is where you reset expectations. And resetting expectations is providing the what and the why for the person you're giving feedback. It's setting the what you expect to see going forward and the why. So sharing accurate data is important both for the audience and for your credibility. That's the what and the why. So step six is resetting expectations. That's where you're telling them the what and the why. This is important to tease out. The what is you need to score six points. The why, we wanna win the game, but you're not telling them the how. That's step seven. And step seven is having her or him identify the behavior changes. What is so critical about this, let's go back to that neuroscience for a moment. This is where you move them from threat state to reward state. This is where you move them from their lizard brain to their wizard brain. Because what you're doing is getting them to identify and articulate what steps they'll take going forward to be successful. This is where the magic happens. This is the most important step in my estimation, because this is where feedback turns from making me feel bad about something to giving me hope that I can do better because I articulate the steps. This is where I ask them, so what will you do differently next time? It could be a, you know, a response I've gotten in the past. Well, you know, I'm gonna check with you on the data to make sure it's accurate. Excellent, good plan, let's do that. It's getting them to see a pathway to success. And that is where this model gets so very powerful because the performance can change. If we don't take this step, we, we don't wanna shame people. That doesn't improve performance. What improves performance is giving them the opportunity to make those changes and be clear and crisp about what they are, but they figure out how they'll take on that new behavior. This is the how. You provide, as the giver of feedback, the what and the why. Have that person who's receiving the feedback articulate the how. That's for them. So just a quick review of the seven steps. First, check to see if the timing is right. Remember, if we're having a day, it's kind of like throwing jello against a wall. It's not gonna stick. We wanna make sure the timing is right. Provide specific time and place. We wanna make sure we don't get into cognitive dissonance. So be really crisp about the specific time that you observed it. And of course, provide the specific observable behavior. No judgment, no psychic impressions. What did you see? Share the impact of the behavior. This is important so people understand what the fallout is. And then ask for his or her take on the situation. What's your view? Because remember, feedback is dialogic. It's back and forth. It's really important that we have that sharing. Finally, or not finally, but next, reset expectations. This is where you provide the what and the why. And then finally, the how. Ask them, you know, what they will do differently going forward. So those are the seven steps for effective feedback. They really help you ensure that that gift you give, that gift of feedback is really received. And most importantly, that that gift of feedback you give 
helps the other person be better in the next moment.